Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God, and we're going to talk about congregations, congregations of testimony, congregations of record. What is a record? A record is a testimony. It is usually used the word record because it is written down. That testimony is written down, and it becomes a matter of record. If you say something in your voice, it goes out into the air and disappears and dissipates and fades away. But if you write it down, it has more substance to it. It is actually written down and marked, and there is a whole history. Why we even have the Bible at all is a matter of record was written down on paper as a testimony. That's what we call it, the Testament, the New Testament, the Old Testament, because it is written down. So a congregation of record is a congregation that has come together, an assembly that has come together and made a record, a written record, that we are a congregation, an assembly. But what kind of assembly? How does that assembly work? How does that assembly operate? How is that assembly a testimony? And a testimony of what? And these are some of the questions that we're going to explore today and have been exploring all week. And we're going to share with you some of the concepts and ideas of a congregation and how it works and how it has always been a part of the kingdom of God. Did you know there are congregations in heaven, congregations of angels? Of course. Why wouldn't there be? So what is a congregation? In, in the Old Testament, there's a word, ida, a, uh, delis, uh, hey. And hey is always an emphasis word added to another, uh, base word. You know, and that's very common, especially when you see the hey letter at the end of a word. It is, it is to, signify that this is more than just those two letters, but it is something significant. But that word, Ida, is translated congregation 124 times in the Bible. Thirteen times is translated company. Nine times is translated assembly. One time it's just translated multitude, another time it's translated people, and one time it's even translated the word swarm. It's defined as a gathering, a congregation. And, of course, that's why it's translated that way. But it comes from a word. This, uh, in Deleth, these first two words, first two letters of the word. And remember, the Hebrew letters have meanings. Every letter in the Hebrew language has a meaning. And you make words by bringing those letters, those meanings, those ideas together. And that's why most letters, or, or most words in the Hebrew language are three letters long. Is because that is the base to an idea. And it takes this idea, this idea, this idea, and it puts them together, and you get a word. It doesn't have vowels necessarily, it's not necessarily pronounceable, but it is something you can write down. It is a written language. 
that the letters actually have meaning. So once you know the meaning of the letters, you can pick up any text in, and read it, even if it's full of words you've never seen before. You can start to put it together because each letter is an idea come together to form a word and its location in the word and and uh, other letters that you may add on to it are going to tell you about the meaning of that word. And so you can decipher it and figure it out and calculate it. So what is the two-letter word from which that hey is added on to? What, what does that word mean? Well, it's, it's, it's an interesting word. It's in the Bible. You, you'll see it uh, almost 70 times in the Bible in one form. It actually appears more than 70 times, but uh, if you were to look it up with a Strong's number, you will see that it appears seven, 69 times. And it's translated every time the same way. And this is the, the, the base word from which you get the word congregation. So this is going to, once you know what that word means, it's going to, <coughs> excuse me, uh, once you know what that word means, you'll know what ita means. And the word is ed. And it means witness. It's always translated witness. And that's what a congregation is. It's a witness. It's a witness with the hey added on the end, with the emphasis of the fact that it's an assembled group of witnesses that because of their assembly, they become a witness. And, of course, what is the congregations of God a witness of? What do you think they're a witness of? They're a witness of God. They're a witness of the nature of God. That's very important. And, and to understand that is to understand more about why you want a congregation of record, a congregation of testimony. A congregation where you write down and say, "This I, I am going to witness to the nature of God. And what is the nature of God? The nature of God is a giver of life. What did Christ come to do? Did he come to take away life or to give life? Did he come to bless us or to be blessed? We talk about praising. How do you even praise God? Don't you praise God by acting according to his nature and give life to others? What was his commandments about? What were we supposed to be doing? How were we supposed to be operating? How were we supposed to be functioning? We were supposed to be operating in pure religion, which is taking care of the needy of our society, unspotted by the constitutional order or systems of government of the world. Because that's what it says. That's the word they use there for world. Wouldn't to be not spotted by the age, or not spotted by the earth, or not spotted by the planet. It's not spotted by the constitutional orders or systems of government like that of Herod's, who operated with a system of Corbin that made the word of God to none effect. Are you in your church taking care of all the needy of your congregation 
without the assistance of the Corbin of the world. You know, we've talked about Corbin, and we might as well do this, because we're going to have lots of new listeners. We're going to be on other radio stations, uh, and uh, we're going to be spreading this message as far as we can, and you can become a part of that effort to spread this message and help us do that. Let us know what radio stations you listen to in your local area. We will continue on uh, on this station, but we will also repeat the program on other stations eventually. If we can syndicate this program and get it spread out all over the country. So what stations would you like to hear us on? And we will add this message to those stations as well. If we can, with your help and your assistance. So what is this? the nature of this congregation of testimony, This where you become a witness to the nature of God? What is it going to look like? It's going to be giving life. It's going to be taking care of the needy of its society through faith, hope, and charity. And the world takes care of the needy of its society, you know, it's different governments, world mean constitutional order or system of government in this instance, because that is the definition of the word according to theirs. They take care of the needy by exercising authority and compelling you to make an offering, a sacrifice, and then they have the funds by which to take care of the needy. And that's certainly one way you could do it. But that's a system of Corbin like that set up by Herod and the Pharisees. It was the same system of Corbin used in Rome, who called it Corbin also, but they spelled it with a Q. But their Corbin, their sacrifice, originally was free will offerings, just like Israel, but became compulsory offerings as the citizens of Rome became enfranchised by applying for benefits that would be guaranteed through their temple, through their government building. This was the world. This was the organized system and constitutional order of Rome that took care of its needy through their Corbin, which was not free will offerings anymore, but a Corbin that was compelled by men who could exercise authority and compel you to give your fair share, leaving no man behind in the giving. But that system made the word of God to none effect because it was not based on choice, free will offerings, like Moses set up and like Christ set up. Because he said we weren't to be like those governments of the Gentiles who call themselves benefactors that only give you what they can because they exercise authority over your neighbor and compel your neighbor to offer. It is so simple. It is so basic. I repeat it over and over again. And many of you are beginning to realize that if I am not doing what Christ said, then how can I profess Christ? Because he said to do this. And Paul was doing it. So when Paul said, believe in what we're doing, which is what Christ said to do, that's the salvation of Christ. If you do that, make the effort to do that, you will be saved. But if you're just saying, Lord, Lord, no, you will not be saved. 
If you're just saying you believe in Jesus, but you're not doing it, you're not taking what he has given you, because everything you have, you have because God has allowed you to have it. If you're not sharing it the way Christ shared his life with you, then you don't really believe in Christ. And there is a damnable heresy in the churches today that say, oh, you don't have to do anything. Just think it. And it's so. No. You have to believe with an action. Your action will not be enough. You will not be able to provide everything for the needy of your society. But God will make up the difference if you will begin to walk in the ways of the Lord and become a witness for the Lord. And that's what we mean by a congregation of records. So many people over the years have filled out the paperwork for a congregation of record so that we may recognize it, but have then done little or nothing. In that doing comes the relationships. In the societies established by Moses originally, there was a relationship created by the free will offerings that took care of their needy, their health, educational welfare, and their their system and their government, bound whole nations together. We're going to look at some more of these words that we call translate congregation. There's another word in the Hebrew language, translated congregation. A completely different word. Completely different word. Translated congregation in the Old Testament with different letters. So why do they have to have more than one word? Translated congregation. Why, why Why? not? isn't one word enough? When we translate that word into congregation, why, why do they need this other word? What is that word? It actually begins with a mem, the letter mem. Whenever you see the letter mem, you're seeing a letter that has to do with flow, like blood flow, water flow, spirit flow. This emotional concept of flowing. And it's, you have this mem before uh, a vav. And uh, then you do have that other letter, the, the an, followed by the delus. So there you have the an and the delus, but before that you see mem and vav. And it actually comes from a word that is, begins with yad, with the, the an and the delas. Uh, yad, an, delas is translated meet seven times, together five times, assembly four times, appointed three times, set three times. Time, it's even translated into the word time twice, and betrothed, agreed, appointment, gather. It's a verb. But going back to that word, the other word is translated congregation. This service is provided in high definition by free conference call HD. Sorry about that. We lost the call. Okay. We're still on live. We just lost We're the call. We're still on live. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, congregation. This congregation 
this other word for congregation that has that that still has that same word in it that means witness begins with this mem that has to do with flowing and vav which has to do with connecting vav is a word that is a connecting letter wherever you see that it's connecting something to something else so here we see the idea of flow like blood flow in your veins blood in the body of christ flowing connected to the idea of testimony because that's the word for witness and so you see how the words are being defined by the letters and what, what how is that word translated 150 times it's translated into congregation so you to find out more about how that word would mean or what it would mean you would look up everywhere that particular word congregation appears in the Bible and you'll you'll start to see that it's also connected with what they call the feast because 23 times it's translated feast 13 times it's translated season that's interesting the same word translated congregation is also 13 times translated season <laughs> 12 times it's translated appointed 12 times it's translated time and of course now time and season are connected but how is that connected to the word congregation four times it's translated assembly well a congregation is an assembly but how is a congregation a season how is congregation time well, one time it's translated days. Another time it's translated sign. Another time it's translated just one synagogue. And a couple times it's translated solemnity or solemn. So you see a solemn assembly. But the point is, is this word that begins with men has to do with flowing connected to a witness and testimony. So, giving you that background of these two separate words that are connected by the idea of witness that are translated into the single word congregation we can find out what we mean when we say congregation of record and again a record is something that is written it is a written record not just spoken. If you speak a word, it disappears into the air and diminishes from the moment you speak it. And hopefully it goes into somebody's ears and stimulates some thought. But with the speaking of a word, there's also breath. And that's a very important symbol uh, in the spiritual realm of our existence. Because Christ came out of the grave and walked up to his apostles and breathed on them. He didn't say anything particular. He just breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And we talked earlier about the, uh, in our conversations, we talked about the dry bones. The dry bones that are on a desert, out there scattered, like you come across a body. And all the bones are laid out, scattered out there. 
can these jibones live? They ask in the prophetic works of the Old Testament. And God says he will cause breath to come into them. He will cause, he didn't say he'd breathe into them, he said he would cause breath to come into them. And that's what's happening. People all over the world, all over uh, this planet, are beginning to wake up. There's something wrong. And they're beginning to ask. And they're beginning to accept the humble position of knowing, I cannot solve this problem. I'll find the answer on my own. My own knowledge and eating of the tree of knowledge is not going to solve this. Something has to enlighten me. That's a humble position, realizing that I cannot save myself. Something else must save me. And we, we see elements of that when people say they accept Jesus Christ. This allows God to cause breath to come into you. And you begin to awaken and say, oh my gosh, I didn't see that before. I looked at this many, many times and I never saw this. Oh, this is often what we see when they go back and look at the Bible. They thought they knew the Bible, and they go back and look at it, and they see something more, something different. The tabernacle of the congregation. What does that mean? It's the you could say the tabernacle of the synagogue, the tabernacle of the season, the tabernacle of the time. You know, I always tell people who are focusing on calendars, what day, or which calendar. Those are people who don't know what time it is. And, and they're focusing on this external calendar that was a gift that was given to the people because they didn't know what time it was. So they had to give them a calendar. I always I love the story of the congregation that was beat up by the Gestapo during World War II several times because they were testifying in the church that there was something wrong with the, the socialism, the democratic socialists who were taking over, that's what Nazis were, democratic socialists, and they were speaking out against some of the elements of that, and the Gestapo came in and beat up the minister, and it got to the point where they could not have assemblies in the church, and so they said, okay, we'll just have an assembly somewhere else, and they knew that there were spies in their congregation, but they didn't know who they were. And so they said, well, where will we meet? And he says, God will tell you. And we'll just meet there. And lo and behold, all throughout the war, the congregation continued to meet, but everybody didn't show up. And they met in different places, and they would not announce where it was going to be. They just said, God will lead you. And lo and behold, they would show up. There was always somebody showing up. They just knew where to be. And to show up. And other guys kept saying, well, I, I, I went there and I went there and you weren't there. Well, evidently God wouldn't tell you where to meet. <laughs> he didn't know where to assemble. He didn't know because God didn't tell him. Now, they had a, a you know, that a lot of times churches have a bulletin or a calendar that they have. This is when we're going to do this. We're going to do that. Well, that's for the people who don't know what time it is. They don't know how to assemble. So now you're going to have to find out how to do that, and that's what we're going to talk about for the next hour and a half or more, if you want to stick around. 
What time is it? Is it time to congregate? Is it time to come together? Fight the fight. We are here to equip you because you love the truth. LibertyRadioLive.com The program you are listening to is 100% sponsored by you, the listener, on this First Amendment Rights Media channel. You will notice that there are few commercials on this radio network. There's a good reason for that. Corporate advertising dollars come with strings that limit program content. So without your help, these programs cannot continue on Internet or our several affiliates. If you benefit by the educational law programs, we ask you to give. If you are admonished or nurtured by the Bible and ministry programs, we ask you to give. If some voice a cause that you are passionate about, we ask you to give. If you believe in any of these, we ask you to support them as you would a missionary on a continual basis, as if giving a tithe for Missionary Radio. These programs are not commercially viable and must be supported by those faithful to the cause of truth. Look for the button to sponsor your favorite programs at our Listen and Schedule pages on the Internet. Then, when you subscribe, we will send you the last quarterly MP3 CD of that program immediately and continue to do so with each new quarter. We will also give you unlimited archive access to all of our programs. We're asking you to give much less than a tithe so that you may also send support directly to a particular program host, cause, and anywhere else the Spirit may lead you. Do all to the glory of our God and Creator, for His holy nation, the only kingdom that will last forever. Thank you for listening. Hi, Nicholas here. I used to lug those big jugs to the market to fill with water from those coin-operated filter machines. 25 cents a gallon or 5 gallons for a buck. I used to. Then I got the big Berkey. Now I saved my back and hundreds of dollars too. I was paying $600 for the same 3,000 gallons of water that a pair of black Berkey filters will provide from my own tap for only $99. This means that your Berkey water system will entirely pay for itself with only 1,500 gallons of use. And then you will still have 1,500 gallons left before you need to replace the filters. Do the math. Stop throwing your money away on bottled water and filter dispensers that may or may not be delivering as promised. For a limited time, First Amendment Radio is offering 10% off on the most popular Berkey water systems. Visit the shopping page at FirstAmendmentRadio.com or call us at 559-781-3773 for more information. Leave your name and address and we'll send you this special offer. Do it now. First Amendment Radio is an authorized distributor of Berkey products.
welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. We're talking about congregations and congregations of records and congregations of testimony, and we're talking about a lot of things. Uh, we were looking at two different words in the Hebrew language that um, are translated into congregation, and they're both tied to an original word, the two-letter word, that means uh, witness. And that's why you congregate together to be a witness to other people. That's that's the key, is that you're not congregation, congregating together for what you can get out of it, but what you can bring to other people. Because that's why you're a witness. You're not a witness so that you can see. <laughs> you already see. You're a witness. The nature of being a witness is to witness to other people. And, of course, Israel was a nation. It was a nation that was to be a priest to all other nations. Of course, most people don't understand what that means to be a priest, but that's what you were supposed to be, is a priest to all nations. And that, of course, is what Christianity should be. Christianity should be a priest to all nations. It should be bearing witness to all nations as to what is true, who is Christ, what was Christ really talking about. So in looking at these two words in the Hebrew that are translated congregation, one of them also translated feast, we have to understand that these are assemblies. You could translate it, the word congregation, assembly, and every place, and you would understand what it means. Because you are assembling two or more gathered together as a witness. So what are we witnessing? Are we witnessing that we covet one another's goods? Or are we witnessing that we don't covet one another's goods and life and labor? That we don't want to take from others. We only want to live by faith, hope, and charity. That is our witness. If that is the witness you are giving to the world, then you are giving the same witness that Christ gave. And then, therefore, you are a witness for Christ. But if you are still coveting your neighbor's goods as the agency of institutions that you create that exercise authority one over the other and force your neighbor to contribute to the needy of your society rather than do it by love, then you are not a witness for Christ. No matter what comes out of your mouth, no matter how often you say you believe in Christ or Lord, Lord, or whatever it is, you do not really believe in Christ because you are not a witness for what Christ was. Christ came to serve, not be served. Do you come to a congregation for what you can get out of that congregation, what feeling it can generate, or what? you can do, what you can sacrifice, what you can give up of yourself for the good of others. Now, what is giving all the time? If you give all the time to everybody, anytime they want, that may not be good for them. That may not bless them. That may not be righteous. You have to give in a way that is righteous. 
There's another completely different word. Another, a third completely different word that is also translated in the congregation some 86 times. 17 times translated assembly. 17 times translated company. And three times translated multitude. But it's a completely different word, and it does not have any of the letters. It doesn't have the letters for the word witness in it. It doesn't have the letter mem for flow. It has none of those letters. And it's it's from, you know, uh, another word that means together or gather or assemble. And it has to do with assembly. But it's not that other word that we see translated congregation. But like I said, it still appears many times in the Bible. Uh, you know, almost uh, 123 times in the Bible. Actually, it appears, you know, uh, that's as a noun. But it also can appear as a verb uh, some 40 times. Same spelling, but one's a verb and one's a noun. <laughs> so that's another thing is, you know, if you change your nouns into verbs and your verbs into noun, you can change the meaning of this sentence quite a bit. But uh, as we saw, the other word that was translated not only congregation but also season and time, uh, those are quite a bit different. You can start rearranging the meanings. Now, it's still there. But you see, words are not like math. It's not like two, you know, you took a two and you made it a five. Well, no. Words are conceptual, and all words have multiple definitions, and many of those definitions are overlapping. But you can you can veer people off course by changing the meaning of the word just slightly. Because somebody thinks congregation, they think one thing. Somebody says company you may think something else. So when you say multitude, they may think something else. So you do have this cough, uh, uh, hey, lamad word that is translated congregation 86 times, assembly 17 times, company 17 times. And it does mean assembly. It means gathered together. And uh, we see there, for thou shalt hunt, that shall cast by lot in the congregation of the Lord. And that's in Micah, and that's, that's a description of, you know, the particular use of that word congregation. And so it, it appears lots of times in the text, uh, even way back in Genesis, when it says... Uh, that thou mayest be a multitude of people. The word multitude there is that word of assembly, an assembly of people. And you you hear God giving permission that you can gather together. And God Almighty bless thee and make thee fruitful and multiply thee that thou mayest be a multitude of people, a congregation of people. Same word, congregation of people, a gathering, an assembly of people. But the nature of God's assembly is different than the nature of many other assemblies. 
uh, in Genesis um, 35:11, we see, And God said unto him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply a nation and a company. There you go. There's that word again. But now it's company instead of congregation. But it says, A company of nations shall be of thee, and kings shall come out of thy loins. A company of nations shall be of thee. That is the nature of the kingdom, to be a company of congregations, a congregation of nations, you know, where you're gathering together. And again, this this pattern that we see Moses laying down, and actually Abraham had used it too. And even if you go back to really ancient writings, you'll see evidence of it in the times of Enoch, where ten families gathered together. They gather together in a congregation of witnesses, each one being a witness, but the congregation itself became a witness, a matter of record, a testimony, and saying, yes, we stand here in the ways of the Lord so that others may see us living in the ways of the Lord. We are so far from that. When you first come together, you will not do what God wants you to do to the extent that he wants you to do it. Because you are a child in the ways of the kingdom, and it will take you a while to get to the point where you will actually take care of the needy of your society entirely by faith, hope, and charity. But you have to begin somewhere. When you were baptized at the time of Christ, you did not come out of that water doing everything perfectly. Were the apostles baptized? We never see them actually uh, dunking Peter. Uh, he did get dunked when he stepped out of the boat, I guess. And he had faith for a moment, and suddenly he was dunked. <laughs> and Christ pulled him up. But we have to assume that they were, that they set out on this path. And that baptism was the moment of turning around and going this other way. We're not going to get the baptism of Herod and force our neighbor to contribute to our welfare. We're going to start to learn to take care of ourselves without force. Until John the Baptist, everybody tried to establish the kingdom of heaven by force. Herod certainly did. He, you had to volunteer in order to be under the contract that made you have to pay in to these benefactors who exercised authority or be arrested or penalized or whatever it was. But in Christ's kingdom, no. What can you pay? Pay that much? Okay, write it down, pay that much. And notice they're writing it down. They're making a record. This much was paid. Paid in full. A record. A witness. A testimony. A, a written record is a written testimony, a written witness of a fact. But that's why when someone forms what we call a congregation of record, they make a testimony, and they give an offering. Why do they give an offering? What was that word we were talking about that had the mem at the beginning of it, the flow, the blood? Because that little token gift that you give in this testimony is the beginning of that flow. 
it is the first beat of the heart of the congregation is the granting of that gift. It's not unlike marriage when you give your wife a golden ring. With this ring, I be wed. How do you marry somebody with a ring? It's a token of the gift that you are going to be giving her. Not just that day, not just that golden ring, but every day thereafter. You give unto her. She gives unto you. You have a flow between you and a connection. Can you form a congregation of record and not give every week? I'm not saying, you know, give 10% of your paycheck. But start the flow in the direction of the kingdom. If all the people that were forming congregations of record did give 10%, we would be getting this message out to thousands and thousands and thousands of people. More than we are now getting the message out to. Because we would have this flow that would allow us to do that. Now, we won't be building crystal cathedrals. We won't be... Uh, getting big screen TVs. We're about to have a festival here and I was going to purchase a projector so that we could have a projector and I've put it off. I, I couldn't do it. Uh, it didn't seem right. Uh, I think that we need to be projecting the spirit of Christ and I need to leave that to you. You have the opportunity and right to begin to project the Spirit of Christ because that is the Spirit upon which this kingdom is built. That will bear the fruit of his loins and his assembly and bear witness of his way. This and that is a, a critical part of being the congregation of Christ, to be doing what Christ said to do. So what about the word congregation in the New Testament? Because we do see the word congregation show up in the New Testament. Uh, it uh, doesn't show up nearly as much as it does in the Old Testament. But there are other words in the Greek language that are similar also, that are just simply not translated congregation, that you will find in the New Testament. And, but in looking at at least one of those words, is the word synagogue shows up some 57 times. And at least once, it's translated congregation but we also see <clears throat> other words like church which is from the word ecclesia which means also assembly and there's there's at least seven different Greek words that will appear in the New Testament that can be translated assembly and of course an assembly is a congregation in one sense or another so with seeing that word congregation showing up in many different forms and we also see the reference to the fact that we are to uh, assemble uh, not forsake the assembling together the gathering together 
that this concept of gathering together remains the same. And why are we gathering together? It's a, so that we can do the will of Christ and the will of the Father. And so that's called a congregation again. And are we to bear witness? Are we told to give a witness to the world, to be a witness to the world? Well, of course, that goes back to that ancient Hebrew word of congregation, which has the word witness in it. And it's a witness word of hey, which emphasizes the nature of that witness. And that nature of that witness has to be the nature of God. And the nature of God is a giver of life. And that's what we need to be. And so that's why we form a congregation of record, a congregation of witness, a congregation of testimony. And why would you not? What would be the hesitation? I think a lot of people, when they talk about congregation of record, they put too much emphasis on that. Well, we are forming a congregation. No, you are not forming a congregation. You are simply assembling. God forms the congregation by bringing his spirit into that congregation. Remember back in Ezekiel, the dry bones. If we go back to Ezekiel and look up that, that concept of dry bones. And, and this was a part of a prophecy that was very important. And it means a great deal now. Now there's many places we can find in the Bible where it talks about the same concept of, of, uh, dry bones. Uh, the word bones, for instance, uh, etzim, uh, which is a noun, and translated bone some hundred times in the Bible, is also translated self-same, and the word same, and the word body, and the word very, and the word life, and the word strength. Same word, bone. Translated all those different different ways. From a word, atem, actually spelled the same way, that means increase, mighty, strong, but also has been referenced as broken his bones. Uh, but anyway, they're, they're clearly talking, and, and this has to do with the conceptual language of Hebrew, why you can translate these words into so many different ways. But... If we look at Ezekiel 37, and uh, we can go all the way back to the beginning, to uh, the verse 1, it says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest, he didn't say, I don't know. He said, God knows. God knows if these bones can live. And then he says in verse 4, again, he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, 
O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. Now this is the prophecy that we are making. You dry bones out there who are so far from the kingdom, scattered all over the valley. These scattered dry, dry, dry bones. You may live. And I will lay sinew upon you and will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and ye shall live and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a shaking. And the bones came together. Bones to his bone. Are you coming together? Are you gathering bone to bone? Now notice, we're not gathering bone to flesh. We are not gathering bone to sinew. We are not gathering bone to skin. We are gathering bone to bone. Pieces of the structure to pieces of the structure. Who is the sinew? Who is the flesh? Who is the skin? That's the people. Right now we're talking about the bones. The structure of the kingdom, the structure of the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. Behold, a shaking, and the bones came together. Somebody asked me the other day, what do you see in the network? They wanted to know what I saw in the network. With all these people that are gathering in the HisHolyChurch.org network, I said, I see dry bones on the desert. <laughs> you know, you imagine this in a movie, the bones just, just wiggling, vibrating, shaking. The, uh, by the way, the, uh, the word there for shaking, most of the time it's translated earthquake. <laughs> but it's also translated rushing and shake and, and even fierceness. <laughs> and it's also translated confused noise. And of course that's what we still have on the network. A certain amount of confused noise. Commotion. Rattling. Quaking. But that vibration, that beginning of vibration, is having an effect. People are being stirred by me or by a breath that's coming into them, that's caused to come into them. So anyway, they talk about this uh, shaking, but there's also another word that says noise. 
there was a noise, a voice. That's actually the word there. It's translated voice some 383 times, noise about 49 times, sound 39, thunder 10 times. Anyway, are you hearing the voice of God? Are you hearing, my sheep hear my voice? Well, we'll talk more about hearing the voice and what it means and the sinew and the flesh when we return to Keys of the Kingdom. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Now listen to me. The Bible says, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar's. Government Takeover of the Church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD, Government Takeover of the Church. Who will tell them if not you? Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Now listen to me. I pledge allegiance to the King of Kings and to his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. One holy nation under the heavenly Father with grace, mercy, and justice for all. So we've been talking about congregations, congregations of record, congregation of witness, congregations of testimony. We've been talking earlier about dry bones coming together, uh, the prophecy of these dry bones jiggling on the desert, shaking on the desert, the breath caused to come into them, and they come together, and God causes flesh to come on them, sinew to come onto them, skin to come onto them. What is forming here? What body is forming with these dry bones? They're scattered, dry, dry bones, emphasizing dry, scattered all over the desert. And bone coming together to bone, connecting came together, bone 
to his bone. His bone. Why his bone? It's the bones of Christ. The other bones that are hearing that spirit that is being caused to come into them. Those bones will come together. Other bones that are dry may not be filled with that spirit, and they may not come together. Or they may not connect together. It's interesting that the word that we see came together is actually a, a Hebrew word that means offer. It's translated offer about 95 times. Bring, near, nigh, come, approach, at hand, presented. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God, does that mean coming together? The kingdom of God is coming together at hand. Christ's message was not different because God is not different. God is the same. He's talking about us coming together, the dry bones first, forming the structure of the kingdom so that flesh can come onto it and that skin can come onto it. And what is he forming? He is forming the bride of Christ. Because when they come together, he will breathe into it. And when I beheld, lo, the sinew and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. And he had breathed, caused breath to come into the stones, into the bones, which are stones. Another metaphor. But the sinew and the flesh came upon them, but they were not, they didn't have the breath of Christ in them. They thought they did, maybe. Maybe that's why they came. Something came, caused them to come together onto these bones. But not the full breath. Now remember, the apostles were out there preaching the kingdom, going around performing miracles of them, themselves. They were the ministers of Christ, the disciples of Christ. But it wasn't until after his resurrection he came and breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And still, there was another 50 days until Pentecost when the Holy Spirit would descend upon them and they would come out speaking in tongues, other languages, and preaching the gospel. The same men who had fled in the night when they came to arrest Jesus, who denied Christ three times, now were boldly... In this, before the same men who had murdered Christ, professing Christ as a witness, baptizing one another as a witness, being cast out of the social welfare system set up by Herod and the Pharisees, as a witness, as a matter of record. They were looking out amongst themselves very soon after that, picking men they trust to set up the kingdom of God at hand. They were being the kingdom of God. They had a king. There isn't. They were the ones who were professing there is another king, one Jesus, but their government operated by faith, hope, and charity. It took years to get into that point. 
And everybody that was baptized was not in the upper room and did not receive the Holy Spirit. But they began to have breath come into them. They began the circulatory mem system of God with blood flowing through this body of free assemblies where they were giving enough to each other to take care of the daily ministration to what is an organ the media of their society in pure religion without any help without any help <clears throat> at all from the world the constitutional order and system of government of Herod from which they had been cast out of Herod the great system of Corbin and without the Corbin of Rome and that means that for you to be a true Christian you need to come together in assemblies that can do the same without the Corbin of the image of the beast if Rome was the beast the image of the beast has a Corbin too that provides for its needy in impure religion because it is of the world, not simply in the world. It is dependent upon the men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority to provide the benefits of their society. But those benefits are gathered by men who exercise authority, by the fathers of the earth. You're not to be that way. This is this is an iconoclastic message. Are you dry bones that are going to come together as a witness of the miracle of God? Are you going to connect bone to bone? We talked last night on the Australia call about the idea of coming together and forming a congregation of records, and we had... Uh, a recent uh, contact minister who is now a minister of record who has connected with two other ministers of record in a, what we call a long-distance congregation. And people ask, well, can you have a long-distance congregation? Well, certainly they had long-distance congregations. Remember how Israel was gathered. Ten families picked a minister. Those ministers got together with other ministers like themselves, and they picked a minister. And those ministers got together, that minister that they picked got together with other ministers like himself, and he picked a minister. Well, as you do that, you go up this chain of service, not chain of authority, but chain of service, where you have the authority to serve, not the authority to rule over each other completely reversed upside-down government from what most people are used to when you say the word government. But that is the government of God. That is the kingdom of God. That is the perfect law of liberty and the way of God. But when you get farther up this chain of servants, where you have servants of servants of servants, like Christ said, these guys aren't living next door to each other. They're a long ways apart because they're, now their congregations, you know, this guy's congregation's in this town, and this guy's congregation's over in this town. And they're a long ways apart. 
they're a long-distance congregation, and they didn't have the Internet. They didn't have telephone. They didn't have shortwave. We have those things today. We may not have them tomorrow, but we have them today. We didn't have them back then, but we have them today. This is an advantage. This is a tool by which we can come together. And we have many people come here to our annual fall festivals, and we like to have other meetings throughout the year. And we've had people come to some of those and got to meet each other and tell, tell us later about how they were blessed to have met so-and-so and, and uh, the different people that are willing to connect bone to bone. And relationships grow. And hopefully, but what was the first recommendation for those long-distance congregations? It was explained to look for the flesh, to look for the sinew, to look for the skin that will be put upon these bones and gather in local congregations because it's only in local congregations because this is grassroots from the bottom up. Can you actually take care of one another? Provide for one another in faith, hope, and charity in the perfect law of liberty. This was what the first century church was doing. There was lots of welfare around. I had somebody who was in a group that refers to itself, I think it was, they called themselves the first century church group. Uh, you know, it was just an email group. But that was the name of the group. And I pointed this out, that the first century church was the welfare of the congregants of Christ. Instead of the welfare of Rome, they said, well, there was no welfare in Rome. Certainly it was. Rome had gone socialist. The, what do you think they meant when they said free bread and circuses? There was uh, weekly giveaways from the temples of grain and bread. Half of Rome was on government welfare. Half of the United States is on welfare. And in truth, if you count education, almost all of the United States is on welfare. And the same of Australia and New Zealand and, and other countries. They're all on welfare because public school education is a welfare system. It's free education paid for by the collection of funds by men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority in contradiction to the ways of Christ. Even if you home teach your children, you should not, should not be taking funds from a public coffer it compels the offerings of the people. I know, yes, you paid into it. How much did you pay into it? Did you pay in as much as you get? When we had Colin Gunn on the show, and hope to have him on again here shortly, when we had Colin Gunn on, he said uh, that in Washington, D.C., he was telling the figures, I can almost hardly believe what I remember. Yeah, because out here it's six or seven thousand dollars a year per student that it costs to educate them. And he's talking over twenty thousand dollars per student. So if you're sending your kids to public school in Washington D.C., wow, you're really coveting your neighbor's goods because you're compelling your neighbor to pay for that child's education. It's got to stop somewhere. And the way it stops is you start going another way. 
you start turning around, you start repenting. You start taking care of the needs of your society and of your family without forcing your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. Yes, you may still have to pay your tally of bricks, but start gleaning in the field, that field of dry bones, to find what you need to sustain yourself and your family and your community. It, that's what Christianity was. It was an alternate way. And at our festivals, that's a, a common theme. What, is there another way to do this, a Christ-like way to do this, to take care of ourselves, provide energy and power for our homes and, and education for our children and food for our table? Is there another way to do this? Homeschooling, backyard gardens. Can we do this? Can we create uh, community-supported agriculture? Not just farms way out in the country that produce food, but every backyard of every congregation working to produce food, renting some lot somewhere as a congregation and gardening up and teaching your neighbors, because you're a priest to all nations, teaching your neighbors who are not in your congregation what they need to know about health, producing food, producing healthy food, producing a system whereby you take care of yourselves and the flow of information is the flow of blood in the life of your community. I coined the phrase the other day on the BurningBushFestival.org website that one of the purposes of coming together was to learn to share and share to learn. That's what we need to do. That's People wonder, oh, are, are, is HHC a cult? Is this only church a cult? What are we? We're people seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We're not creating all kinds of extra doctrine and dogma and you have to become a member and you have to pay a dues. We don't do that. We are free assemblies of record, they go on record for Christ as a witness, as a testimony to the ways of Christ by doing what Christ said to do. Because we know the kingdom of God is at hand, was appointed to his apostles to spread the gospel of the kingdom, the ways of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom so that you will someday have the right to be ruled by God in his kingdom instead of ruled by the God's many of the world. There's no free ticket. There is an opportunity to seek that kingdom and the righteousness of that kingdom. And if you're not taking care of one another, in faith, hope, and charity, where is righteousness? Because you're not doing that now. So you're not, can you, what can you do to seek that righteousness? Homeschooling is great. Are you helping others homeschool? Are you gathering together in congregations of record to help others homeschool? At our festival, we would like to actually just give you an idea. We haven't done this yet, uh, but we're, we're going to be doing it hopefully in the future. 
is that we have enough property out here to have a number of groups come. You can have one group over here that's your alternative energy group and one group over here that's your alternative housing group and shelter group, alternative clothing, alternative uh, gardening, alternative health. And they all come together and they share what they have learned and what they have discovered this year. And next year we just share what we discovered next year. And we become a wealth of knowledge and everybody goes home enriched. And each congregation becomes a priest to its local community, showing them what they could do and how they could do it. Because I tell you, when things come to really difficult times, it may come so suddenly. You know, there's there's a fellow who's, and I can't remember his name, I can't remember anybody's name half the time, but he talks about visions that he's had, and he, he's been somewhat accurate and somewhat, uh, you know, he's, he's coming and, and telling these different things that he has seen and everything, and really changed his life around to take this message out. And he was talking about hard times coming, very hard times coming. There are people actually plowing up the gardens in their cities to plant, uh, plowing up the uh, uh, parks in their cities to plant gardens everywhere they could because there's such a shortage of food. You would think that's almost impossible in, in places like the United States, but it isn't impossible. It's very possible. And we've talked in many other shows and shown, you know, what the statistics are and wh how we've gone from being a nation with years of food in supply for this nation where we could undergo year after year of crop failures and still have plenty of food. It was all stored on the farms, huge wheat silos and, and all this. And obviously you can't do that with some foods, but... Uh, you could store huge amounts of foods for a long period of time if you stored it in the form of grain. And that's, of course, how the emperors rose to power is controlling the price of grain. And today it's the price of grain and oil. Because without oil, without gas, you can't. we can't produce grain anymore in this country. We can't transport it. We can't grind it. We can't turn it into bread. So the whole system of this nation is dependent upon the flow of energy and power, and that can be stopped in an instant. That can dry up overnight, and America would find itself in shortages. This is a rich nation, and if we work together, we can get through that hard times easily. But unfortunately, most of us will not work together. They'll be asking questions, well, why do we have to come together? What value is that of, to me that we come together? But again, wrong question. The right question is, what value can I be to others by coming together? And you should be able to see that very clearly. Share what you know. Learn to share. Share to learn. Because you will become blessed in your giving. Because you will be practicing what Christ came to teach us the Eucharist of Christ and I've had a recent conversation in the last few days and weeks with somebody who uh, 
who read my article on the Eucharist. And what is Eucharist? What what is that word? Where, where did that come from? Well, that that's a Greek word, Eucharist. It means Thanksgiving. But if you don't translate, this is the you know Thanksgiving. <laughs> you may miss it, and and you think, oh well, it's this way for bread is the Eucharist. Is that really the Eucharist, or is that the symbol? And we've talked before about unmooring the symbol from its meaning. And and we do that. We unmoor it from its meaning. And we end up with something that we don't understand. And so we have to repent of that and uh, go another way. Uh, it's very, very simple when we see the idea of blessing others, serving others as the way of Christ. And we can go way back in Leviticus 7.12. If he offer it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer it with the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Unleavened cakes mingled with oil and unleavened wafers anointed with oil and cakes mingled with oil of fine flour and fried. He's talking about fried bread there, but really what he's talking about is this Thanksgiving. Do we understand what that means? That's way back in Leviticus. We would, you know, that it wasn't, they didn't use the Greek word Eucharist. Back then, they used a Hebrew word, uh, tada, and that means thanksgiving. But it also is translated praise, and thanks, and offering, thanks offering. It's also translated confession. Thanksgiving is translated confession. But see, that's what it is when you give that gold ring to your spouse in matrimony. That is your confession. With this ring I do wed, with this confession of my love for you, this symbol of my love for you, I do wed and become thy husband, become thy wife. In a congregation, who do you give the offering to? To the congregation? No. You give it to the minister you trust or are hoping to learn to trust to be a minister of Christ and to take care of the daily ministration with your offering, with your thanksgiving. And that is your praise to God, not to that individual. <clears throat> and he doesn't do well with that offering that you have made to Christ. We talk about this in the guidelines and other places about when you give to your minister, who owns the stuff? The minister? No, he's just a trustee for Christ. It belongs to Christ, what you give, what you're offering. You're giving, your that is your praise, your thanksgiving. You are giving it to Christ. It is, as a matter of fact, the word thanksgiving in the Old Testament is translated from several different Greek words again. Gada is also a word translated into thanksgiving. 
That means very similar. It's translated praise more often, 53 times praise, 32 times give thanks. Again, 16 times confess, 5 times thank. Make confession, it's as a verb. Make confession, again, thanksgiving, make confession. Words to profess Christ. How do you profess Christ? By saying it with your words. Christ is my king, you know, uh, like we do in the songs. No, with your thanksgiving. That's where your profession is. That's where your confession is. And that's what we need to be doing. We need to be confessing Christ by the flow of our giving and giving to one another. And many of you are givers. But do you give in a congregation that allows everybody in that congregation the right and the ability and the privilege not to go and ask benefactors, or many who call themselves benefactors to exercise authority, have you formed a congregation? Do you go to a church which takes care of all the social welfare needs of your community so that you do not have to go to men who call themselves benefactors and exercise authority and ask them for their benefits? Is that the kind of church you go to? Because if it isn't, it isn't the church established by Christ. It isn't a first century church. It isn't like the first century church. And I can guarantee you that your church is for, you know, unless somebody, if you have a church like that, give me a call. Let me know where it is. <laughs> I will come and give praise at that church. Because that church is praising God. To live by faith, open charity only. And not by the sword, not force your neighbor to contribute so you can have free education and free health care. You see how iconoclastic this message is. I'm not here to tickle your ears. I'm here to tell you the truth, and the truth doesn't always tickle. Sometimes it hurts. So we have to we have to go another way. We have to turn around and repent and go this other way. We have to take up our cross, our burden. It's it's light in the long run, but it is a burden, and go this other way. Are we willing to go that other way? Do we know how to go that other way? Are we seeking to go that other way? That's the kingdom of God's way. And that's what we're supposed to be doing is going the way of the kingdom of God. That word Eucharistia, that they translate into Eucharist. It's translated Thanksgiving nine times. Giving of thanks three times. Thanks twice. Thankfulness once. It's, it's from the word Eucharistos, which is an adjective, which means thankful. And that's what we need to be, is thanksgiving. Thankful and thankful for the opportunity of giving. Because that's the ways of Christ. And that's the way we must go. And a congregation of record is the way to begin to do that. 
with the blood veins and the flesh and the body to become that body of Christ. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you because you love the truth. LibertyRadioLive.com What year is it? The year of the Lord God the Pope? 2012 according to the Vatican's Gregorian calendar? Or 5940 since creation according to the Bible? Did you know that the Creator put a clear chronology from the creation in His Word? It is widely accepted that the millennial reign of Christ will be the Sabbath or seventh millennium from the creation. If this thesis holds true, then this clear chronology becomes very important. Is the seventh millennium imminent? Will there be a rapturous date? Or is it about 60 years off? See the clear evidence for yourself in the booklet, What Year Is It? We will send you the Greatest Prophecy DVD, the booklet, What Year Is It?, and a copy of Richard Bennett's groundbreaking work, The Inquisition, for a mere $5 shipping and handling cost. Any donation above that amount is appreciated. Send your $5 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, T-U-L-A-R-E, Tulare Avenue in Tulare, California, 93274. Again, send your cash support donation to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, California, 93274. Or see the shopping page at FirstAmendmentRadio.com to send a check or money order. We are grateful to the Almighty for your support. The Greatest Prophecy DVD Hi, Nicholas here. I used to lug those big jugs to the market to fill with water from those coin-operated filter machines. 25 cents a gallon or 5 gallons for a buck. I used to. Then I got the big Berkey. Now I save my back and hundreds of dollars too. I was paying $600 for the same 3,000 gallons of water that a pair of black Berkey filters will provide from my own tap for only $99. This means that your Berkey water system will entirely pay for itself with only 1,500 gallons of use. And then you will still have 1,500 gallons left before you need to replace the filters. Do the math. Stop throwing your money away on bottled water and filter dispensers that may or may not be delivering as promised. For a limited time, First Amendment Radio is offering 10% off on the most popular Berkey water systems. Visit the shopping page at FirstAmendmentRadio.com or call us at 559-781-3773 for more information. Leave your name and address and we'll send you this special offer. Do it now. First Amendment Radio is an authorized distributor of Berkey products.
we're talking about congregations, congregations of testimony, or what we often call congregations of record. <coughs> and we're talking about ministers of record, who are the ministers that you pick. You look out amongst yourselves and pick men you trust. Trust to be what? Trust to be like Christ, in the ways of Christ, operating, leading people to the kingdom of God, the right to be ruled by God. You do not have the right to be ruled by God and if you are slothful in the ways of God. You, uh, if you can do it yourself, then you can save yourself, but you cannot save yourself. That's why you must do as Christ said, which is to come together, gather together in thanksgiving, in the Eucharistus of Christ. And what does that mean? That means in the willingness and the the light of giving to one another, sharing with one another. This is the character of Christ. He came to give, not to take. So when you come together in your congregation, that's what you want to do. So who can come together in the congregation? What is required? It is required that you are seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That is what is required. And that means repenting and turning around and going another way than the way of the world. The world has been going in the other direction. It does not want to live by faith, hope, and charity. It wants to live by force, fear, and entitlements, guarantees. It wants to be guaranteed salvation in this world, but unfortunately when you do that, you forfeit salvation in the next. And some people have said that uh, knowing, and it is true, that God says that go and choose the gods that you want. Go and elect the leaders that you want, the rulers that you want. When we say leaders, we mean he's talking about rulers, men who exercise authority one over the other, because you, a real leader in the kingdom doesn't exercise authority over you, but he is a leader. He simply leads. He does not compel you to follow. You must choose to follow. But the leaders in the world, they will compel you to follow. 51% of the people are like, this guy, you got to do what he says. Because you are bound to him by contracts, covenants, and constitutions. And Christ will hold you to that word. And it says that when you do this, God warns the people what will happen. He'll take the first fruits of your labor, and the first fruits of your fields, and the first fruits of your loins. He'll take your sons and daughters. He'll make his instruments of war. He will cause your sons to have to run before his chariots. And his chariots will be made of depleted uranium. <laughs> Poison your children and your children's children. And when you cry out, God will not hear you in that day. <clears throat> but do you have a right to pray? Do you have a right to pray? Do you have a responsibility to pray to God? Prayer is an admission that you cannot do it yourself. Real prayer is not the words that you form in your mouth. It's the yearning that is in your heart. And God did hear the Israelites even when they were in bondage. He heard their cry. He did not hear all the cries. He heard the humble cries of those who said, I cannot do this. I, I have sinned. I repent. I am sorry that I sinned. And so God heard them and he said, okay, start start taking care of one another. Because hard times are coming. You know, I'm 
I'm sending Moses to free you. And Moses went to the Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And what did the Pharaoh say? I'm not only going to not let them go, I'm not going to give them as many benefits as I gave them before. I'm not going to give... They're still going to have to meet their tally of bricks. They're still going to have to pay their taxes. They're still going to have to support my regime. But if they want any benefits, they're going to have to glean in the field at night because I'm not giving them to them. And that's what you're going to see. You're going to see governments all over the world that are overwhelmed. Already are seeing it. They're going to try to print more money in all these countries, as we've seen from Uganda to the United States, and they all will suffer runaway inflation and economic collapse. I mean, it's, just, it's a done deal. It's going to happen. Don't be afraid of it. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Start gathering together. You dry bones jiggling on the desert. Do not cling to the desert. Join yourself together in righteousness and faith and make a witness to that joining. Be a witness to those who seek the kingdom so that the flesh will know where to gather. We are joined together. Us, the fibula and the tibula, tibia and the patula and the metacarpals and all those bone, backbones. Let's get that together. Let's get that backbone together. That's important. Seven cervicals, 12 thoracics, lumbars, coccyx. Let's get those things connected, you know, the hip bone connected to the thigh bone. And allow that flesh someplace to gather. Be a witness to Christ. The apostles' names were not secrets. They were not scattered. They were coming together. So if the Spirit is moving you, jiggling you on this dry desert, then come together. Gather together. Allow God to move you so that you connect to His bones, as it says in Ezekiel. Go back and read that. And then pray about it. What is pray? Say words about it? Talk about it? Learn to know what God's will is for you. And then come together, and when you come together in those congregations of record, begin to gather according to the Eucharist of Christ, the thanksgiving of Christ. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave it unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. The symbol. The symbol. Do in remembrance of him. What was the symbol? Go back to the Old Testament. The symbol of giving. What was Pentecost? Easter. Passover. What was going on there? Passover. Families came together in one house to eat one sheep. One family's not going to eat a whole sheep. And they had to eat the whole thing that night. They had to bring others together into the house, and usually the guy with the bigger house 
because they were going to need the room. They gathered together in that, and they provided a sheep, and they roasted it, and they prepared this bread, and they had all this, and people wanted to prepare everything just like it was then. The harder they worked to provide everything just like it says there, often the farther away from the spirit symbolized in this ritual, this symbol, they get. The meat was not to be cut up and taken out of the house. Why did he make that rule? Is that What's important about that rule is because you had to bring the others into your house. All the other members of the congregation had to come into this one place and eat together all night, ready to go. This, is, this was a message in the nature of the kingdom. You have to welcome people into your house, into your heart, into your mind and start caring about them, feeding them, having them sit here, sit there, around your table, a table adorned with all the gifts of the congregation. Remember that word congregation in the Old Testament is also translated feast, and that's why we're going to have a fall feast, which we call a burning bush festival. Burningbushfestival.org tell you more about it and we have to teach more people about it because we come together to learn to share and to share to learn what is sharing thanksgiving giving thanks again the breaking of that bread and giving it was a token it's like the golden ring just like the token when you form a congregation of records it's a token given to symbolize all that you will give tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Not to me, but to each other. That's what we need to be doing. What does all this have to do with marriage? And, of course, we talk about holy matrimony in, in several places uh, and chapters of uh, the Book Covenants of the Gods and there's articles and audios and all that stuff that you can read about holy matrimony versus marriage. And remember, in the, in the days before the Great Flood, in the days before whatever the end times, people will be giving and taking a marriage. And again, marriage is this contract. And of course, when they say marriage in the Old Testament, giving and taking a marriage, they're not just talking about the wedding of a man and woman, but it's this contract. Basically, marriage is a contract. Relationship and testament. That's, that's the definition. Marriage is a contract between a man and a woman in the eyes of God. That's holy matrimony. What we often call marriage, you know, state marriage, state license marriage, is a contract between a man and a woman and the state. It's a different thing. It's a different kind of thing, and it forms an additional entity in that relationship. When the church marries you, the church is not a party. When the state marries you, the state is a party. Unfortunately, most churches are operating as offices of the state, and that's why they say by the authority of the state is such and such. But you can read more about that in Holy Matrimony versus Marriage or the audios and files on that. But there's something called a limping marriage. And a limping marriage cripples society and is not tolerated, even in the legal systems of the world. And it really isn't tolerated 
too much, so we don't exercise authority in the kingdom of God and in the ways of the church. Olympian marriage is a marriage that's not testified to. It's just two people set up housekeeping. And that's permitted if they do it openly. And then they're, they're setting up housekeeping together and holding themselves out to the world as husband and wife is a testament of their union and their contract with God. Just as when you get married in a church and the church, you know, has documents and you sign them and your neighbors and, and your congregational members sign them and the minister signs as kind of a notary witness to these documents, that's your testament. But a crippled or limping marriage is one where there is no written testament, and so therefore it can, it's dependent on what people notice and observe. You know, in the state of Colorado, you, you, if you simply cohabitate, the state of Colorado has statutes that say that you're married. You know, and we know a couple that, uh, one of the, uh, the wife was from another country, and they got married <clears throat> up in, um, Montana, I think it was. And, uh, but they got married whole matrimony. Uh, they got married in the church, marriage only. You know, I didn't know them at the time, but they, they did this. Uh, I think the father was a pastor, and they got married, and they didn't want to get a state license. So they got married in the church only. But then when they wanted uh, his wife to be accepted in the state and have allowed allow to be a resident in the state, the state wanted to send her back. He says, but she's married. And I said, we don't recognize that marriage. Because in that state, they have different rules. And they say, well, you look at the rules of the state. And they, we've seen them do this a number of times. Well, the way they solved this was they simply state they had a lawyer that lived in Colorado who was an immigration lawyer, I guess. And so, so anyway, they had to go visit him. So they stayed in a motel that night. Now, they've got kids. And, and the INF says that they're married. They don't, don't have a problem with that. Just for their purposes, they won't recognize it. But anyway, they stayed in a motel in Colorado. And they say the receipt, and they showed the receipt that they actually were staying in a place in Colorado. And they counted that as cohabitating in Colorado, and therefore in Colorado they would recognize the marriage, therefore the INS recognized the marriage, and they let her stay in the country. <laughs> this is how operate they work, because, but without some sort of record, written testimony, in this case, it was a motel receipt. <laughs> uh, they weren't going to recognize the marriage. What they really should have done is recognize the paperwork from the church. And we talk about this in a pamphlet that we put out, and you can read it on the net for free, uh, is the International Acceptance of Holy Matrimony, which has been a controversial thing for years and years and years. Now, you can get married any way you want. If you get married in the state, we still consider you married. But... God wants you to be in a frank and free marriage. You, your spouse, and God. That's his ideal. Where you two are one flesh, one person, one body. No more twain. That's what God's ideal is. But God doesn't always get his ideal. Because we're full of sin and, and rebellion and we, deception and confusion. And so we do things that we shouldn't do, but that's in the past. Now, where are you going in the future? 
are you working to make it possible that other people don't make that same mistake? You know, you drove over a cliff and you crashed down at the bottom of the cliff and everything. So now you've been patched up enough so you can walk around. Are you going to go up there and put a barricade so nobody else drives over that cliff? Are you going to leave that dangerous situation still there? Are you going to form congregations of record and testimonies so that that everybody in your congregation can home teach their children? You know, uh, that was one of the things that in talking uh, about homeschooling with Colin Gunn, he said, well, you don't have to join any organization. Well, you do have to come together. And see, in a free assembly, in a free congregation, by making that written testimony, you're no longer a limping congregation because you have a written testament. Not a contract. You're not bound in any way except that you've said that you're going to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness in a relationship with these men and women. And you're not going to bail out the first time it's inconvenient. And you're not going to fear Thanksgiving, willingness to give. You're not going to hold back. You're going to start going in that direction. And if you don't do it, you're only answerable to God. You're not answerable to us because we can't exercise authority one over the other. We are the antithesis of a cult. You're already in a cult. We're trying to save you from the cult that you're in. <laughs> We're trying to get you to move in the direction of God's kingdom, to live by faith, hope, and charity only. In order to do that, you have to help other people live by faith, hope, and charity only. By coming together and becoming the benefactors who don't exercise authority one over the other who call themselves benefactors and are benefactors who don't exercise authority one over the other. And if you did this diligently, you could bear rule and you would not be the slothful who should be under tribute. And God will hear your prayers. Even though you're still in bondage, but you're moving in the direction of the kingdom, you are the prodigal son returning home. You haven't even made it back yet. Maybe you can't even, maybe you're so famished and, and forlorn and worn out that you can't make it home. Don't worry. Your father will run out and meet you halfway if you just turn around and start heading back, start gathering together. In order for all that you flesh and sinew and, and skin of the body of Christ, to have a place to gather together, ye bones must connect to his bones. Now, where are his bones? I'm not telling. <laughs> you have to figure it out. You have to be guided by that spirit that is caused to come into you, that is guiding you and wanting to guide you. And it may not be more than a little tiny bit of spirit. But don't bury it in a napkin. Use that spirit to go in the direction of the kingdom. One step at a time, baby step at a time. Move in the direction of this bone or that bone and say, let us bones gather together. And let's yearn for the day that flesh come upon us and sinew connect us and bind us together so that blood veins can move the flow of God's blood, Christ's blood, in us. 
as a body and nurture one another. The blood that is in your veins nurtures your veins as it travels through your body. We have been chopped up. We are chopped liver, chopped flesh. We are divided people. We are a scattered flock. We are dry, dry bones. That's, that's those bones. Receive the breath of God. That's my prayer. Let you receive that breath that God is causing to come into you and hearing in your ears and in your heart and in your mind. Act upon that. Come together. Be a representative, a testimony of Christ. And the flesh will come. But the important thing is that if you're doing this by the leading of his spirit, not hesitating, but standing in his way, he will bring the proper sinew and flesh and skin upon you and form that beautiful body, the mistress and bride of Christ that yearns for his ways and his righteousness. That's where we need to go. We need to not be that limping marriage. There are many ways to do these things that we're talking about. In a voluntary society, it is a real art that takes teamwork of diligent people who work together because they care about one another as much as they care about themselves. You cannot do that from the pew. You cannot do that just sitting listening to your radio. You cannot do that on email group. You have to do that in real life. And that is the job of the ministers of his church is to facilitate those bodies, to give them the place to hang their flesh and hang their sinew and hang the skin upon. And if there's one thing that bones are in the body is structured, connected, hard like rock pieces of the whole body that allow the flesh some place to hang some way to move. Without that, we're all the blob, just rolling around. We can't be the blob. We have to be the body of Christ, the body of Christ. We will become his treasure as we follow his ways. Just as Peter said in Acts 6-3, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Now, that was a particular thing that was seven men, just like they said in the Old Testament, to pick seven men, even eight, because you know not what calamity will come. And there are forums, institutions in the world today in which we could do that, and we could appoint those seven men. And then those seven men could go and do the job that was being done that was necessary for tending to the daily administration. And we should have done that already years ago, but the bones haven't been coming together. And until those bones come together, there will be no flesh brought upon it. 
that we have a few bones out there that are gathering flesh upon them, but they are not connected. They're just a bone out there. <laughs> and they're not connected properly with other bones because they are interested in the flesh that they gather upon themselves. They're interested in congregationalism alone, but that is not the preaching of Christ. He preached the kingdom. So that's where we need to go. That's what we need to do. Until then, God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.